0: Title today, I want more. Do you want more? Do you want more? We want to, today we're going to talk about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're in this focus of a not so spooky series on the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit isn't weird? People are. Think about it. And today, I want us to really understand and recognize what God desires to do within each of our hearts and lives to empower us. I'm going to give you some practical information that will be very helpful to establish, and I'll explain this, but you, you need to establish a contextual reference of a kingdom that is expanding you beyond what you've understood God could do in your life. God's about to awaken your appetite. So come on, just put your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, awaken things within us. We're not interested in trying to come together and have the best church service we can possibly have. Jesus did not die so we could go to church. But Lord, you want to awaken within us to be the sons and daughters of God you have called us to be, that we might fulfill the call of God and the commission of God to our generation and awaken future generations as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe you're going to be inspired today with a few ideas, but I also want you to be empowered today. So we are launching, uh, what, when, is the, when is our fireworks celebration? Last Sunday of June, just making sure you got it. On that Sunday, we're launching something called the Summer Intensive, and it's just to take you deeper. I want more. I want to give you a roadmap. Uh, we meet here Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. for prayer. We're going to do classes in the course of the summer. We're going to do some different things, and it'll actually accommodate your working schedule for those of you jobs that you want to do this. So today, when you go out uh, under the television just outside the door, there's these little cards, Summer Intensive. It explains that you can sign up, drop them in the giving station, and we'll contact you and walk that out with you. But what we want to do is really awaken a track uh, for you to grow deeper in your relationship with God. Let's purpose not just to coast through the summer, Let's really decide we want more. How many of you really do want more? I mean, honestly, we were born for more than where we've been. No matter how far you've gone with Jesus, there's always more to grow. And the Lord wants to awaken that today. So I want to talk to you about your not-so-spooky emphasis of the Holy Spirit, how that really looks. There are different people in the room with different conclusions experientially, theologically, and doctrinally. Okay? People have had different experiences Uh, with this whole concept of the Holy Spirit. People have different theological conclusions. People have different doctrinal conclusions. Here's the thing I want to challenge you. Make sure you have biblical conclusions. Whatever, whatever those experiences and doctrinal uh, ideas you've you know, adopted, are they biblical? That's my big question. I just want to look through some Scripture with you in this together, and, and, and let's realize when we're talking about the Holy Spirit that theology, the study of God, that refuses to understand or, or conceptualize the illogical because you can't wrestle it all down logically is a very incomplete theology. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's bigger than your ability to comprehend Him and understand Him. And if you say, I'm only going to believe in in that which I can totally understand, then you're really limiting yourself in terms of what God wants to do in your life. So a few weeks ago, I shared with you a, a brief segment from, from a TED Talks video of a, a basically a microcellular look into one single cell. And, and the guy said something very interesting as he, as he was looking at that. He said, you know, the more we learn the more we realize how little we truly know as we explore this further. And he described, we know what's going on in a cell at about maybe 1%. That means we don't know much about what's going on on a micro level. So if you would start that video, I want you to see just a brief look at that on a smallest micro level of God's creation. And this was what was taking place, different things within one single cell in your body. Amazing, all these manufacturing elements going on, things coming apart. Together there's the FedEx delivery guy taking stuff that your cell needs. And then we back out from a cell, from your body, from the state, from the globe, into the galaxy season, what do we find on the biggest scale? We find the same thing. We might know 1% when we look at the biggest perspective of creation. We might know 1% when we look on the most minute perspective of creation. What that says is you're going to have to move beyond your logical ability to wrestle things down, to have complete understanding, to actually have a complete belief structure. If that's the case with creation, how much more with the Creator? He's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. So I want us to step into that, begin to get an understanding and a connection to this. The Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 6, now concerning spiritual gifts. Everybody say "Spiritual spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? It's really interesting, but this is when God begins to awaken supernatural abilities within his sons and daughters in the earth. You're going to get a clear picture of this by the end of today. But spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. Just because you don't understand everything about the cell, you don't do this. I don't believe in cells anymore. I don't believe. Just because you can't understand everything in the galaxy, you don't do this. I don't believe in the galaxy anymore. Just because you don't understand everything about God, you don't say, I don't believe in spiritual gifts anymore. Let's allow the Lord to really define some of this. God says he doesn't want you to be uninformed. I'll also tell you he doesn't want you to be misinformed. So let's get a clear picture as much as possible. Verse 4, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. See, there are various expressions of your life. How many of you in this room, you, are, uh, you don't mind worshiping expressively and you lift your hand to worship quickly when worship happens? Let me just see. see some of you do that. Like, yeah, that's me, right? And then there are others. How many of you, like, you're a little more reserved but very sincere in your expression of worship? Let me see your hand and your hand will probably be a little more like that, right? And so that's just an expression. Which one of those is right? You know the answer to that? Yes, both of them because we're all different. We have different expressions, different giftedness, and you have to understand we we just have to be so guarded and so careful not to lay our judgmental conclusions that this is how I identify with God, therefore you have to identify with God or you're not spiritual. It's a very damaging perspective when we start to come to those conclusions. Here's the big statement. I want you to write it in on your blank. We can have distinction without having to have division. You, I want you to hear me say it as your pastor, you be uniquely you exactly the way God created you to be. I'm the, I'm the kind of dad, Faith and Lexi, when they were little, I would go to McDonald's just to let them play in the play area, and and I remember Faith, she was over there helping Lexi uh, climb up, you know, those little climb up spaces, and, and Lexi, she, she got up on that first one, you know, with her hands, but she couldn't get her legs up, and so Faith came to her rescue, and she came down, and I'll never forget, I was such a proud dad, she grabbed her by the diaper and pulled her rump up high enough, she was able to get her, and I said, go girl, go. And then they went to the next level and she pulled her diaper up and Lexi, you know, she got on the, all the way up to the very top of the slide. And when they got to the top of the slide, of the slide, yes, yes, you did it girl. Woo! I'm swinging on the bar. And then I realized people are in McDonald's watching me. (laughs) I'm a very expressive person. My worship translates that as well. I'm very loud. My worship translates that as well. I just want you to feel free to be you, to be who God created you to be and not feel the need to be somebody else. We can have distinction without having to have division. How would you respond? If somebody walked in this room right now, they came right up to your chair and they said to you, I'm writing a check today, and I'm paying off all your debt. If you have any business debt, I'm paying that off. I'm paying off your home mortgage, and I'm going to put a million dollars a principal in a bank. You'll never touch a million dollars, but I'll put it in a 10% investment structure so that you will get $100,000 a year interest expression out of that million dollars invested for the rest of your life, and your children will then inherit the million dollars and start to cultivate $100,000 a year for the rest of their lives, and your children shall. How many of you would stand up and kiss that person on the mouth? I mean, there are some people that'd be very expressive. <laughs> okay. I mean, how, how many of you, and I'm trying to be facetious, but let's, let's, be, let's bring it in a little more realistically. How many of you would hoop and holler if that happened to you? How many of you would sit down and cry if that happened to you? I mean, how many of you would stand up and you would just hug them and say, thank you? I mean, these various expressions, we can have distinction without having to have division. And it's very important that you understand that. Here is a great example of two people that experience the presence of the Holy Ghost. And one is expressive and the other is not too sure about a friend. that. How many of you are the crazy cockatoo worshiper? How many of you are the cautious cockatoo worshiper? You're like, what is wrong with that person? Isn't it interesting? Isn't it true? And for some reason, we've made people feel more or less spiritual because of a varied expression. But if we go back to that scripture... It says there are a variety of gifts, a variety of service, and a variety of activities, but it's the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, unity. Unity. See, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit, and this is where I'm driving. I believe we keep our practical life spiritual. I believe we keep our spiritual life practical. I believe the two commingle to bring a complete picture of what Christianity is really all about. You can settle for rowboat Christianity where you strain at the oars for every inch of progress in your life. Or you can put up the sail that maybe you don't understand all that much about it, but you set up the sail and suddenly the wind of the Spirit captures your sail and takes you into powerful dimensions far beyond your wildest imagination that God wants you to experience. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son, Jesus. And for God so loved Everyone who says yes to Jesus, that he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to live lives. Anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I think we have chosen to live far beneath our greatest potential and giftedness that God has called us to. And I personally am seeking God desperately to understand more. I'm asking the Lord for wisdom to know what a consecrated life is about. I'm asking God for wisdom to know how to be more aware of everything he wants to do in the world that he has entrusted to our care. I'm asking him for this, not just for me. I'm asking him for this for you. I am praying for our destiny family to be led by the spirit and to walk this thing out in our various expressions. And when that begins to happen, listen, supernatural things begin to occur. We have a great framework, a contextual framework for this. And again, I'm going to explain that just a bit to you. But, but here's a news article that came out where uh, Hamas complained because people were praying. And uh, the news headlines came out and it says, Their God changes the path of our rockets in midair, said the frustrated terrorists. Come on. I just believe God wants to do some supernatural things. Let's thank God for the hand of protection that results from the praying church. From believers that will rise up. God wants us to enter into something He describes in Scripture as the supernatural. And I just want to say loud and clear our world is not going to be changed by the superficial. I love the fact that we have various gifts very quality, excellence, all those things in our worship, light, smoke, camera, action, all that is awesome and all that is secondary to the power of Jesus Christ filling every believer in the house that we might become everything God has called us to become as sons and daughters of God that are mighty in the earth. We are the giant killers of our generation. And God wants to awaken that within our hearts. Our focus is not to try and attract the crowds. Our focus is to try and make disciples who really understand the depth of their relationship with God Almighty, and they live that out in their everyday life. Notice this. Paul goes on in his writing to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, Follow the way of love, and I I left you a blank to fill this in so that you get this, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire. We're going to carry on there in a moment. But I want you to understand some people say, well, I'm open to the gifts of the Spirit. I'm open if God wants to do that. That's not what the scripture tells you to do. It doesn't say to be open to it, it says to, doesn't even say to desire it, it says to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to know the Bible is clear. You and I are to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. We stir up a hunger and appetite. And I want you to notice this because it goes on. It says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And verse 24 is so curious, and I want to hone in on this. Verse 24, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now, I'm not talking about the superficial. I'm talking about the supernatural. And what Paul is saying is prophetic spiritual, the spiritual gift of the prophetic is to be awakened in the church to actually win the lost because you have heard something from God that you could not know unless God revealed that to you. Now, this is powerful, especially when we start evaluating how this is happening in our world. If you didn't hear two weeks ago when I talked about Pentecost Sunday, I'm asking you, please go back and listen to that message. It is vitally important that you understand why historians call the 20th century the century of the Holy Spirit, which is the century that you and I were born as fathers and mothers so that we might raise up sons and daughters that are born from fathers and mothers, born in the century of the Holy Spirit, that the book of Joel prophesies and says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Our sons and daughters will prophesy. They will be raised up to be awakened to the spiritual gifts. And so there's this contextual framework. I keep using that word. It's a new concept to me. I've just been wrestling it down recently. But a contextual framework, what happens is when you see somebody doing something that you never even thought was possible, then there begins to be a contextual framework in your life that is expanded and you suddenly believe on a level that's beyond where you have chosen to believe before. When somebody goes to the moon, a contextual framework is expanded. Now a lot of people have gone to the moon. Now we want to go to Mars. You understand, I mean, your contextual framework is expanded. So I'm just going to give you a few things that hopefully will expand your contextual framework. We're connected to a number of ministries now in the UK. Uh, in fact, next Sunday, we're going to have a, a pastor and his family who they're just coming to the U.S. just to come and, and, and do some different things. They're going to be here in the service with us. They won't be speaking, but, um, but I'll probably introduce them to you. Great great couple that we've just started to get to know. And God's really ma- uh, allowed us to have some awesome connections in that regard. Well, this really, really unique uh, conference that's been going on in the UK through relationships. We know these scenarios and situations and individuals. They've invited a guy named Dan McCollum to come to their conference and speak. And Jared is a guy we've crossed paths with. He's leading this conference. And Dan McCollum comes from California. And Dan McCollum is a really interesting guy. And I'm taking you down this long trail so that you'll understand something. Dan McCollum got inspired. I'm going to tell you what he got inspired by. He was in his church, and he and a group of people praying, they got inspired by Santa Claus. You understand Santa Claus is a legend that's born from a person who is Saint Nick, that was originally Nicholas, who became a believer in Christ before he was a massively generous, that then produced a legend worldwide. And so Nicholas was a Christian, and, and there, was a, uh, there was a whole scenario going on where children were being abducted in his day. This is a true story. And, and, and so Nicholas, who would later become Saint Nicholas, he began to pray, and God gave him a vision of… They couldn't figure out how the children were being abducted. It was, it was trafficking. Human trafficking was going on, and they couldn't figure out how to spoil this trafficking ring. And so Nicholas began to pray, and God spoke to Nicholas that the children were being smuggled in pickle barrels. So he went to the authorities and said, I believe God has spoken to me that the children are being smuggled in pickle barrels. And guess what? They began to examine this word, this lead, and it's exactly what was happening. And so Santa Claus exposed a trafficking ring by a revelation that came from heaven. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. Ho, ho, ho. That's amazing. So they hear this. Dan McCollum and his, his intercessory team, they hear this, and what happens, their framework, their contextual framework goes from the church gathering to worship to the church being engaged with local authorities to end trafficking in our world. They begin to pray. They get amber alerts, and they hear the name of a child. I'm, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. This is legit. This is all confirmed. And, and they begin to share words with local authorities. The local authorities began to communicate to other authorities. They have now been invited to work with the FBI to get words from God to feed to the authorities who are finding children that have been abducted because of revelation that came from heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you how it works. They're just praying and seeking God, and the Lord will give them a license plate. Plate number and they'll share the license plate number. They'll, the Lord will give them a name and they'll share a name. In one instance, what kind of broke open for them uh, an entirely different dimension of influence in their world. I'm talking to you as Christians, let's allow God to expand our contextual framework to become more than we ever thought possibly could become. The one instance that, they, that really broke it open for them is they were in a circle praying over this child and the Holy Spirit spoke to one of them a specific address and the other one, another one in the circle gave them, uh, the Lord gave them a word that the door is unlocked at that address and the child is tied up in the house. I mean, this is crazy. Would you agree? This is like we go down to the cell and we're like, yeah, I don't get that. We come out to the galaxy, I'm like, whoa, that's way beyond me. But they contacted the authorities with the address and told them the authorities went to that address. They found a door that was unlocked and a child tied up in the house, and the child was rescued. Their contextual framework was expanded when they heard a story about a Christian who became a legend, who heard from God to expose a trafficking ring, and now they're interfacing with the FBI to expose trafficking rings. I believe God has a role for the church in our day, in our hour, that's not about polished service and slick expressions. It's about powerful people! The church and the world has had enough clever, we need power, and we need it in our everyday lives. We need to interface in a way that we're hearing what God wants to say and what God desires to release. We have been positioned as a church family to really begin to move into these types of spaces, and we're asking God for wisdom in all of it. But Tracy and I were invited to speak in a business forum in Lincoln, England last year As we were there, we met a group of people that in that particular city, they invite people in who have needs by way of benevolence. In other words, they're needy families that that somebody needs to help. And instead of just giving them money, instead of just giving them the things that they need, they actually invite them into prayer circles. And they say, what do you need? And the people will tell them, I need a refrigerator. And these prayer circles teach them God loves you and wants to answer prayer. And they pray for refrigerators or washing machines or furniture, whatever they need. And consistently, time and time and time and time again, God has answered the prayers. Somebody in the community will contact them. And the day after they pray for a refrigerator, they'll get a phone call and say, I have a refrigerator to donate. Do you know anybody that needs it? This is wild, isn't it? I just want to say God is expanding, expanding our, our experiential framework to really begin to believe him for something so far beyond anything we've known or where we have been. He's deposited so much within us. I had a, a person call me years ago, and they said, uh, Pastor, please pray. My friend just called from another place, and they, they got home as a family member was leaving. And when they walked into the, the kitchen they found the family member who had just left had taken a gun and had written a suicide note. And so they began to pray. They called their friend. Their friend called me. who They attend our church, and they told me about the situation. I began to pray. And as I began to pray, I just felt like the Lord gave me a specific name. It was a weird name. I don't even remember it now. But I, I immediately called back, and I said, you know, I'm praying. I just felt the Lord saying this name. They called the family, and the family lives in a small community. And guess what? The name that the Lord spoke to me was the name of a store. They drove to the store. They found the family members sitting in a car with the gun in their lap, and their suicide effort was exposed, and they were rescued because God revealed something. I, I just... I, I believe that we need to learn to pay closer attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life and we could really begin to transform culture as opposed to hoping people show up in a room and we do our worship thing and get them back out there to go do real life. No, no, no. Real life is Jesus the king right in the middle of everything we got going on. Everywhere we go, he is there. Everywhere we go, he is wanting to awaken what he can awaken within our lives. Uh, called... Bill Sharp yesterday and told him I was going to share his good friend of our church and, and formerly a police officer. He was on the northwest side of Oklahoma City. Imagine, here's a police officer driving down the road. This is just the way it should be. This is what Jesus came to establish in the earth. Police officer driving down the road. APB comes over the, the, uh, the intercom system, his, his, his radio, and it says that there's a child with special needs that had been lost in the south part of Of Oklahoma City, southeast part of Oklahoma City. He's in the northwest part of Oklahoma City, and as he listens, he begins to pray for this child. And and as he begins to pray, he felt the Holy Spirit say, Turn right at the next light. He got to the next light, turn right. They have no idea how the child got from the southeast side of Oklahoma City to the northwest side, but because he obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit, when he turned, there was that child standing on the corner, waving at the police car because he loves cops. He got out of the car and got the kid in the car. He was rescued because, listen, I don't know, spirit-led police officers, spirit-led educators, spirit-led politicians, spirit-led civic leaders, (laughs) spirit-led citizens in our community. Come on, let the kingdom of God be established in the earth. Now take that contextual framework and listen to verses that you've heard before from an entirely different perspective. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Verse 6. And you will be called priests of the Lord and ministers of God. You will be called Priests of the Lord and ministers of God. Our society, our culture, will look at you and call you priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. It's so powerful. We want to awaken this. So your action point this week is pretty simple. Every week, we don't want to just preach sermons. We want to give you action. Put it to action. Your responsibility is to carry God's presence into real life. So our God's presence into real life action point I want to just challenge you to continue this focus that I've been bringing, Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Memorize that verse. Memorize it as a family. Memorize it with friends. Let that begin to be a contextual framework for you. It says, call unto me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. God is saying, He will talk to us. And as you then memorize that, then read the book of Acts, and read First and 2 Corinthians, start to digest what's going on in the, uh, in the gifts of the Spirit, and how God reveals this in Scripture. And, and let me just say, there are three conversations going on in this room. Three conversations. I'm talking to you, God's talking to you, and you are talking to you. And you have to be careful not to talk yourself out of what God is wanting to say as I am challenging you to be open to something maybe beyond what you've understood. Skepticism and criticism have caused people since the beginning of the empowered church to not experience everything God wanted them to experience. We read about it in the book of Acts chapter 2. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They're drunk. Some mocked them. Some allowed criticism and skepticism. Do you understand? This was the most powerful outpouring of God that had ever happened in the heart of humanity and the planet. They were standing experiencing the most powerful outpouring God had ever brought to the earth. And some of them, because of skepticism and criticism, missed it completely and became mockers rather than participators. As your pastor, I want you to know that I purpose to ask God to fill me with the Spirit often. I purpose to ask the Holy Spirit, fill me with the Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit, Lord. I'm standing down here during worship, and I want you to know. Paul says, pray in the Spirit and pray with understanding. You know what that means? There's a prayer language that New Testament Christians are empowered, the Spirit enabled. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit enabled. So Paul says, if I pray in the Spirit, my mind doesn't understand. What do I do? I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll pray with understanding. And I just want you to know, I'm standing down here during worship Sunday after Sunday, and I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm praying with understanding, and I'm crying out to God, awaken the gifts within your people. Let us experience the power of God like we have never known before. And what kind of pastor would I be if I'm experiencing that and expressing that in those realms, but not talking to you about it from a scriptural standpoint? God wants you to experience everything that he has purpose for you. Let's all stand together.